called Goodness Gracious. And what we're talking about is the goodness of God and the graciousness of God. And uh, what we, this is a part two of a two-part series, kind of two-part sermon that I started last week. And uh, what I had said last week is sometimes when I prepare a sermon, uh, uh, most of the time I'm trying to take things away or else it will go too long. Uh, but I couldn't take anything away. And so it, last week I actually prepared two sermons. And this is the second the second one. The first one was about this idea that God always has a kingdom. And uh, last week, and if you missed it, I'd really encourage you to listen to it uh, because it, 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 it adds some color to this one and kind of tees this one up. But uh, we talked about this idea that God first started his kingdom with Adam and Eve. He created the earth, uh, and uh, his, he, he had one rule. <laughs> don't, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was it, just one rule. So if you think like Christianity has too many rules, uh, just, you know, it didn't used to. It was just one. Don't, don't eat from that tree. And what was amazing about the tree of the knowledge of fruit, of, of good, the, the knowledge of good and evil, is that the tree was in the middle of the garden. So you had to pass through all of God's abundance and all of his provision and all of his beauty to get to the one thing you thought you were missing, right? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that kind of how the kingdom of God works? No matter what he gives us, he gives us the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we're like, man, she looks hot. Right? Like we just, like it's the thing we, we think we're missing, right? And maybe that was a bad example. Sorry about that, honey. Um, right? So, so we, 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 we have this idea. So that's what we teed up last week was this idea that no matter how good the kingdom is that God provides, there's always something that we think we're missing out on or something that we do to, to, to ru ruin it. So what we're going to do is we're going to touch on that just a little bit. But this morning, I want to show you 10 reasons. I don't usually preach in lists, like, uh, you know, seven ways to make yourself better. Um, but I, I am this morning because what we celebrate with the birth of Jesus is the good news of another kingdom. The good news of him establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And this is really good news. And I'm going to show you just in three chapters of the Bible, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we call it the Sermon on the Mount uh, of, of him establishing his kingdom. So he, let me show you where I get this from. Uh, this is a little bit of review from last week. We're in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13. And what has happened is Jesus has been born, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's like he's born and then he's an adult. Like there's 30 years missing, right? And he just shows up on the scene and begins his ministry. And it's fascinating what he's preaching. Because if you and I think about, well, what, what was Jesus all about? We would think, oh, love. You know, he loved your neighbor, love God, you know, the, you know, kind of the golden rule. And that was part of it. But watch what happens. When Jesus heard that John, this is his cousin, John the Baptist, uh, had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. Uh, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Right, you think, why did he write that down? Well, he says why. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, 
Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, this goes on, this, this Isaiah thing goes on to say, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, right? You, you, you know that part of the, of the prophecy, but Matthew only quotes this first part because he's setting up the kingdom that Jesus is going to be talking about. And here's what happens in this very next verse. From that time on, Okay, so not just right there, but from that time on, Jesus' entire ministry, this is the message. Repent, which just means change your mind, change your thinking, change what you value, change what you think is going to fulfill you, change it. So the reason we say repent after we've sinned is because we, the idea is that that doesn't work for you. That's why it's sin. That's why it's missing the mark. It's not just that it annoys God or makes him angry or whatever. It's that God sits there like a heavenly father would say to their kids, that's not good for you. Don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. And we're like, because <laughs> yeah, right? that's, that's our human nature. And so, so Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to change your thinking because... The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, oftentimes he'll say. Like it's right now. In other words, this is the kingdom of heaven. And so just to review last week a little bit, there, there's a couple, three things basically that happens when God establishes a kingdom. So he did it with Adam and Eve. He did it with Abraham. And then he did it when he brought the people out of Egypt. He established these things. And it's the whole point of the kingdom is that it involves everybody. So even though you have this chosen people of Israel in Moses, the idea of the law was to set them apart so that people would go, wow, who's your God? That's amazing. You guys are flourishing. You're, you have a beautiful community. You treat each other well. Like, what, what, Tell me about your God. So here's what happens. Number one, he defines the kingdom, right? So he creates a garden, or he tells Abraham, I'm going to give you some land, okay? And this is your thing. Or he says to the people of Israel, you're going to come out of Egypt and you're going to go into your land. He defines a kingdom. He creates, recruits, uh, or rescues his people. So in Adam and Eve's case, he creates the people that are supposed to live in the kingdom. Uh, in Abraham's case, he recruits Abraham to, to uh, be in this uh, land. Or he rescues, right? So he brought the people out of Egypt. And then he communicates the parameters. In uh, Adam and Eve, one parameter. Don't eat that apple pie. Like, don't eat, I don't know what the fruit looked like, but uh, it, it does say in the Bible it was pleasing to the eye. So, you know, it was probably, it didn't have a Raiders logo on it. I can tell you that right now. All right. That's, that's terrible. Okay, so he communicates the parameter. So, so for Abraham, he was like, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. Just stay in the land. But he couldn't because there was a famine, and he went to Egypt, and then he became enslaved. He says to the people of Israel, here are the Ten Commandments, and here's 603 other commandments. And like I said last week, these, these commandments weren't like, like really hard. I mean, literally one of the commandments is don't trip a blind person. I mean, duh, 
But for some reason, God's like, no, I think they're going to try to trip a blind person. I better write this down, right? Because he he's like, I gave one rule, don't eat the fruit. They did that. So now i got to put a bunch of rules down, right? So this is the parameter. So here's what happens. Jesus comes on the scene, and he defines his kingdom. He says, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. And, and uh, he even prays in chapter 6 of Matthew, and we're going to spend most of our time on the Sermon on the Mount. I do cheat at the end, and I go all the way to Matthew chapter 10, and I do throw in a little Luke like there. It just says a little, bam, sprinkling the seasoning. But uh, other than that, we're in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because he's defining the parameters of the kingdom. What does the kingdom look like? Why is this good news, right? So in the middle of that, he prays this. Your kingdom come, Heavenly Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what Jesus is trying to communicate, yes, there's a heaven, yes, there's a hell. But when you hear Jesus preach, what he's trying to communicate is you can experience a relationship with your Heavenly Father that brings life and peace and strength and joy on earth, regardless of your circumstances. And if you want to follow some other way or do, do it your own way or become your own king in your own kingdom, it's hell. Okay? So uh, we start off with the Sermon on the Mount, and I just put these up here because this is, you probably know these, you don't have to worry about, but it's just the blessed, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? So this is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, blessed are the merciful. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? So all of a sudden, just right from the jump, Jesus is setting up a different way of thinking. This was not how they would think in those times. If you were poor, you were cursed by God. He's like, no, no, no. That's not the way, that's not the way it goes. And what's really fascinating is when we talked about setting up the kingdom that he creates, recruits, or rescues his people, right after he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he starts recruiting that's when we see Peter being called. He says, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. He's telling everybody, follow me. I don't mean follow me right now. I'm just saying follow me, right? And so, so that's, that's what he does. So he, 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 he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he starts recruiting people, and then he sets up these parameters. And so what I want to talk about this morning for the remaining time that we have, and we'll just go through these uh, quickly, is 10 reasons, 10 parameters Jesus sets up immediately. And 10 things of why this is good news. So for some of you, if you think following Jesus is cumbersome or, man, I don't get to do what I want, I got to, that is true. You don't get to do what you want. You actually, Jesus calls it, you lay down your life. Like you lay it down. Like you lose control of your life, essentially, so that he would raise it back up again according to his parameters. So there is that. And some of those things are very difficult. But what I want to do this morning is give you the good news of when you give your life over to Jesus, when you place him as king in your life, why this is good news. You guys all set? Hold on to your seats because we got 10 of them. Here we go. The first one is resiliency over fragility. Okay? Resiliency over fragility. Now, 
uh, I'll be taking what the Bible says and kind of juxtaposing it to what our culture says. So if you are political on one way or the other and it sounds like I'm attacking your political party, I probably am, but I just don't know I am, okay? So I'm, I'm right down the I don't care one side or the other. But one of the things about our culture is uh, it's, it just feels fragile to me right now. Like you can't say the wrong thing or the person's going to fall down in the fetal position and start sobbing over something. Like, like you have to have safe places. And I'm all for safe places. Like, like if somebody has a thing they want to be called or whatever, I'm all for it. But here's the good news of the kingdom. You don't have to be that way. Watch what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you. Not by accident, like on purpose, right? Persecute you and uh, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, can you imagine? Think about this. I, I really want you to think about this. Think about how freeing it would be if you were insulted at work, and you got to a place in your relationship with Jesus where you're like, yes. <laughs> like, did you know what they called you behind your back? You're like, no, what? What did they call me behind my back? They said you were stupid. Watch what it says. Rejoice. <laughs> what kind of kingdom is that? Isn't that the best kingdom in the world? That you get to a place where people could say all sorts of stuff about you, misname you, miss whatever you, like, like, like uh, misunderstand you. And you're like, no importa. It's no big deal. I'm good, right? That's, that's the kingdom of God. Be glad because great is your reward, what? In heaven, remember? Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You're, we're going to be seeing this theme throughout all ten things. It's basically, hey, grab a piece of heaven, bring it down, and this is, this is the kingdom of God. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were uh, before you, okay? So resiliency over fragility. You don't have to be offended anymore. Isn't that freeing? I mean, I know it messes up the news and everything, but that's such good news. Like, Forget CNN and Fox. We got better news. We don't have to be offended. We don't have to hear something and go, that was crushing to me. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to wake up in the morning. That's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is resiliency. That's, that's really good news for me. All right. Uh, number two, I'm going to lose track because I didn't put numbers on these. So you guys have to keep track. I think, that, yeah, we're on number two. Purpose over individualism. Let me tell you something, having to get your way or having to fulfill your own needs is exhausting. It, it's exhausting because it's never enough. Remember what we said in the first kingdom with Adam and Eve? You had to go through all this abundance, all this provision to get to the one thing that you think you're missing out on. He gives us purpose. He says this in Matthew uh, 5, 13. Remember, this is the parameters of the kingdom that he's bringing in. You're the salt of the earth. Like how you live your life has purpose. Remember uh, last week what we talked about was that the, uh, Adam and Eve were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Abraham, he was supposed to uh, be a father of many nations. In other words, the way they lived their life was supposed to be a light to the, to the nations. When, uh, when uh, God gave Moses the law, he said, the reason I'm giving you this law is so that all the other nations will go, what a great and loving God that would give those people these wonderful 
uh, parameters to live by. The same is true in this kingdom. Jesus says, you're the, you're the salt of the earth, man. He says this, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Right? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And he goes, you don't understand the salt analogy? Let me give you another one. You're the light of the world. That's purpose, you guys. Maybe you're at your job, not for you. Maybe you're at your job to display what it's like for a follower of Jesus to work. Maybe you're coaching that little league team not to win the championship or not to help your kid, you know, whatever, hit the ball better or kick the ball better, whatever it is, right? Maybe you're there to show some families what it's like to have self-control, right? right? If you're, any of you in sports, self-control in sports oftentimes do not go along very well. But you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, right? You're not going to hide it. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way, in that same way of salt and light. Let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Good deeds. And glorify your Father in heaven. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Purpose over individualism. Number three, I think, is discipline over impulsivity. <laughs> discipline over impulsivity. We live in a culture of impulsivity, right? We, we just, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I'm telling you, and I am guilty as charged. I, just last night, we were here, we had a, such a wonderful Christmas party, and we were missing some little thing that, for a coffee urn, and I just went on my phone and ordered it. <laughs> that is so cool. But you say, well, we needed that. Well, you should see my orders, the last 15 of them. I didn't need any of those things, right? It's so sad that a package will show up on my porch, and I think it's Christmas because I forgot that I actually ordered that thing. I don't even know what's inside. Have you ever done that? Okay, maybe it's just me and you need a new pastor. But uh, and if anyone says amen, you're out. Uh, you've heard it said. You shall not commit adultery. And that's what we do. We set up these standards, and we're just like, yeah, I haven't. Maybe you've done this to yourself. Are you a good person? Well, I haven't killed anyone. Like, okay, well, it's, <laughs> thanks for setting the bar as low as you possibly could set, set it, right? But that's what we do. Don't commit adultery. Everybody knows that. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. In this kingdom, you're setting your boundaries way back. Watch what he says. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In other words, set your boundaries more. No, this is the kingdom of heaven we're talking about. Your standards are way, way better. Discipline over impulsivity. And then he sets up this thing, and he, and he does this a bunch of times. I didn't have time to go through all of them. He does this also with don't commit murder, right? He says, don't commit murder. Uh, he says, if I say, don't even call your, your brother a fool, right? Which completely gets rid of Twitter. Um, and so he says, don't commit adultery. So watch, watch what he says. This is the extent I want you to be disciplined. Watch. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, do you think Jesus is saying this literally? <laughs> of course not. He's trying to make a point. We're trying to have a kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we're taking this seriously. Like whatever it is that's causing you to stumble, what's causing you to covet, lust, lie, cheat, whatever it is, get 
rid of that thing. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now you say, okay, hell, like, yes, I believe in a heaven and a hell, but that's not the context in which Jesus is talking about. He's talking about when you start doing this stuff on your own and you just start following your impulses, it turns out horrible for you. Like we said last week, anytime you put yourself on the throne, it ends, it ends in pain or death. It ends in bondage or death. That's what he's saying. He goes on. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Become disciplined. Understand that this is serious business. Kingdom business is serious business. It's better for you to lose one part of your body uh, uh, than for your whole body to go into hell. Discipline over impulsivity. And we, we know this even, even without the Bible. We know that when we're disciplined... When we're, when we're doing the right thing over and over and over again, that our lives go better. We understand that. That's just kingdom, kingdom talk there. All right. Number next. <laughs> Forgiveness over retribution. Forgiveness over retribution. Again, like I said before, and I'll say this pretty much with all of it, uh, retribution is exhausting as well. Because you're trying to make something right that can never be made right. When your woundedness hits my brokenness, like when those two collide, I get wounded or offended or whatever, it creates a debt that you can't repay, right? You cannot repay me for what you've done poorly to me because there's no, it's arbitrary. It's, it's kind of like this. If you stole these glasses from me, I bought these on, guess what, Amazon, and they came to my door. Uh, if you stole these from me, I have another 50 pair like scattered around my house okay and so you go okay I'll buy you another I'll buy you another pair no problem but what if you stole these from me and my dad gave them to me as he was dying <laughs> and he said I want you to have these these are my reading glasses right and you're like they're they're a dollar 50 like no that my dad gave me those right so for me to try to make it right for me to get even with you it's impossible so think about the kingdom of God and how freeing it is that he goes, oh, no, forgive. And then it's made right. When you forgive, you cancel the debt. Listen to what he says. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye. Well, that comes from the Bible. And a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. What? That's, that's un-American. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek... Call 777-7777 and take them to court. No. Turn, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, I've heard, I've heard probably six sermons on this from different men and women talking about what it meant to be slapped. and what, uh, Look, brother, if you get slapped, you get slapped, okay? It, you don't need historical context for it. If, if you get slapped and then you know, I turn the other cheek, like I don't do some, you know, I, I don't try to... No, uh-uh. It's so freeing. Listen, and if anyone uh, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. At that time, Israel was occupied by Rome. And a, a, a Roman soldier could just come up to you and go, hey, carry my stuff for a mile. He, the, the law was you could, they could do that for a mile. And you're supposed to be the kind of person that goes, hey, man, hey, we're done with our mile. You want to go too? I'm good. That's the kingdom, forgiveness over retribution. How freeing. He goes on, you've heard it said, 
love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children. Oh, that's right. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what children of God do. This is what followers of Jesus do. Forgiveness over retribution. Humility over self-promotion. Wow, that's tough. Humility over self-promotion. But again, you know how exhausting self-promotion is? Have you ever tried to post something on Instagram and you're looking through 50 pictures to try to get to the right one where you're, you're just exactly right? You know, you got, you got the whole thing all done. No, 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 take it from this angle because I don't want my chin to, okay, good, you know. Right, you're just like, that one. Then you put a filter on, your lips get all cool and everything, like a little bunny, right? That's exhausting, man. That's exhausting. And Jesus says, guess what? Guess what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You don't have to do that. You don't have to even be right. You can be right and not say a word and just let it wash over you. What? That is good news. And when, they, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites and post it on Instagram. Right? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, when you live your life, close the door to your room. <gasps> Wait, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost like you're there with him. That's how you pray. That's, that's how you do it. And this, is, this, and this is to people who are new to Christianity or new to God. And you hear someone praying and they sound like they know exactly what they're doing or that they memorize that prayer because they're really good at praying. Have you ever been in a group and they ask you to pray and you're like, uh, you know what? I, I actually just lost my voice. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Right? Because you think there's a right way. Think about a little kid talking to their dad. Is there a right way for a little kid to talk to their dad? A wrong way? That's your Heavenly Father right there, right? So humility over self-promotion. Stewardship over ownership. When you own something, it can be taken from you. It can be stolen. It can be damaged. It can be messed up. But when you're stewarding, when you're taking care of something that uh, is not yours, you just do the best you can to preserve it for the person that owns it. Well, guess what? In the kingdom of God, you own nothing. Your money's not yours. Your body's not yours. Your assets are not yours. Nothing's yours. You're a steward of it. There's many parables Jesus told, says to flesh this all out about talents, about money, about giving something over to, 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 for you to steward. When, when, when I give at the end of the year, when I give my thank you Jesus offering, I'm not giving anything that I own. I, I've, been, I've been stewarded this money, and I give it back. That's what the tithe is. I, 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 sometimes I get frustrated with certain parts of Christianity that say when you give, you'll get back ten times, right? Um, you already got back ten times. You, you were given 100%. You're just giving back 10%. That's all the tithe is. It says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth because they're just, it just, it's a pain. Look what happens. Moths and vermin destroy. Thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures. That, oh, heaven, 
May your kingdom come. Where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where uh, uh, thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on uh, in a few verses later and says, no one can serve two masters. You can't, you can't love your stuff and love your money and also love Jesus. It just doesn't work, right? Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And Jesus, the king of the universe, gives an example of this. And what does he do? He gives the example of the thing that you and I find most important in life, and that is money. You can't serve both God and money, right? And, and I, I joke oftentimes if you're new and you're like, man, this guy talks about money all the time. You talk about money all the time, right? We all do. It's just the topic that comes up quite a bit. So stewardship over ownership. All right, uh, wisdom over worry. Wisdom over worry. If I told you this right now, if you had to think about your week coming up, and I told you, you don't have to worry about anything that's coming up. You say, well, I'm going to the doctor and I have a lump. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, I know, but I, my job is really, uh, I don't know what the company's going to do. You don't have to worry about it. And you really believe that? Wouldn't that be the most freeing thing in the world? I don't have, wait, wait a second, hold on. I have kids, right? I don't have to worry about them? Nah, you don't have to worry about them. What? That's good news. Well, look, it says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear, right? For the pagans, and that, you know, we think of pagans as like, you, you know, you, you got f fires and, you know, it's not that. It's just the pagans run. Anyone who's trying to live their life according to their own throne, pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly father knows you need them. He's got you. But seek first his what? May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is such good news. Just seek his kingdom. You don't have to worry about anything else. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added, uh, will be given to you as well. Now, I told you I, I cheated and I, I sprinkled in a little Luke in here. Because Luke has a thing called the Sermon on the Plain. Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. Luke is the Sermon on the Plain. When, when Luke wrote this out, here's what he added to this section of scripture. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. You do not have to worry. Don't worry, okay? Wisdom over worry. Empathy over judgment. Empathy over judgment. Judging people is very exhausting as well because you have to figure out what's the standard, right? So if I judge someone over how much money they make, well, what's the standard? Because I can find someone who makes less. I can find someone who makes more. If I'm judging you on your, on your, your body, you know, like who's in shape and who's not in shape, well, what's your standard? Like, it's, it's just exhausting, right? And that's why Jesus says this, don't judge or you too will be judged. The kingdom of God isn't, has nothing to do with judging anyone. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Like, like, focus on you. Isn't that much so much better than having to worry about what the neighbor's doing? You hypocrite. Jesus, this is Jesus, though not me. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly, right, to, see, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Empathy over judgment. You don't have to worry about anybody else in the kingdom of God. It's beautiful. All right, stability over uncertainty. So he ends this sermon with this, and then we'll get to the one I cheated on where I went to Matthew chapter 10. Uh, 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, takes the kingdom of heaven and puts them into practice on earth, this is what will be like a wise man, wise woman, who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus is on the throne. I'm not judging. I'm stable. I'm not fragile. I don't have to worry. I don't have to get even. This is a beautiful, beautiful good news, and this is what we do as followers of Jesus. This is who we are. And he goes on. And he says, but everyone who doesn't do this, everyone who wants to take, be on the throne, follow culture, do what everybody else is doing, right? And, and doesn't put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And none of us, none of us have to look very far to see somebody in our lives that this is exactly what happened. They had a different kingdom, a different king. Okay, fi- finally, uh, like I said, I cheated and went to Matthew chapter 10. Because here's why I, I, I can cheat. Because I'm the pastor. No. Um, five, six, and seven were setting the parameters, and then Jesus sends them out. Jesus sends the disciples out to go, okay, what do you think they're going to do? You think... Th- Like, what's the point of them going out? Watch. As you go, oops, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of what? Heaven is at hand. Right? That's what he's saying. Now that you've received the kingdom, now that you know the parameters, now that you've heard the Sermon on the Mount, now you're going to go out and you're going to be what? Salt and light of the kingdom. As the worship band comes back up, we'll look at what this looks like. Well, man, if I try to bring my kingdom, like God's kingdom into this kingdom, what's going to happen? How oh, people are going to hate me? Well, what did we say? Well, blessed are you when people insult you, right? So he's already taken care of that, but in case he, they forgot, therefore do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing. This is it. This is the kingdom. It's at hand. And what you you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. This is the kingdom of heaven. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay? Strong words from Jesus, yeah? But this is the kingdom. This is the good news. This is why we celebrate Christmas, is that God, in his wacky way of creating kingdoms, said, you know what I'm going to do this time? This fourth time, I'm going to send my only son. And I'm going to establish a new type of kingdom. And he's going to be a different kind of king. The Bible says, behold, your king is coming. And he's humble. He's on the fold of a donkey. This is such an upside down kingdom. Next week, we're going to be 
going over this as well. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to invite you to next week is uh, Christmas Eve, the 24th. We're going to condense our service down so we can get everybody out and to their families. But uh, it's going to be a fun service. We're going to have the kids stay with us for the hour. Uh, uh, it's going to be kind of like a night Christmas Eve service that we normally have. But we have another church using the sanctuary that night. So we're just going to have our Sunday morning. But we'll be talking more about the good news of the gospel. What we're going to do now is just take a little bit of time and uh, end with a final song. And sometimes uh, people will come up and pray at the altar. I do that every week when I'm done. I turn around and I pray there to kind of just set my week up to kind of decompress and go, okay, Lord, we're ready for another week coming up. You might want to do that as well. We have people um, that'll be praying at the cross. So if you have something you just like, you just like to hear someone pray over you, uh, that would be a great, great thing for you to do. Or you can just, uh, you know, stay in your seat and just try to hear from the Lord there as well. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your kingdom. We're so thankful that you love us, that you created a way for us to have a relationship with you. And Lord, this Christmas season, we're so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful that we can live free, that we can live without having to get retribution, we can live without having to worry, we can live without having to uh, look at what we want and what we need. Thank you for this kingdom, Lord. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're not standing, if you want to stand for the blessing, now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace, and his joy, and his strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.